Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Now entering Nerdist.com. I never, we never plan anything on the podcast. We just talk. All right, cool. What do you, what are you feelings? What are you guys, what are you guys feeling right now? I'm feeling sleepy. Are you, are you guys? A little well, sleepy. The, the, set, the, the show, the show last night was. I mean, I had no idea, and we were one of the people who helped put on the event. I still didn't know it was going to be like a flashy. I just thought, oh, it's at a club. I, didn't, yeah. I don't think I realized at the time. Oh no, it's actually at Austin City Limits with Russian acrobats. <laughs> with Russian acrobats, and that. The production facility there is insane. They've got like their own television studio at mm. Austin City Limits, mm-hmm. and yeah. it uh, it was it was great. Did you have any? Did you guys have any idea that it was going to be like? I'd never been in there before. I mean, I played Austin City Limits a number of times, but the you know the venue just moved. Yeah, it was at UT in this kind of old TV studio, <laughs> and now it's yeah this thing. So I'd never I'd never been there before, and I was pretty knocked out. It was swanky. I, I was think totally swanky. But it, it it is sort of hard to compete with. I mean, I, you know, we did this. We did our panel, which was really fun. We did the panel with the Cirque du Soleil people. But did you stick around to see the the tumblers? We could. No, we had to go. I did watch the tumblers, um, just incessantly chain smoking the Russian guys outside, <laughs> and I'd seen them like warming up and playing basketball. And these guys are in like peak physical condition, right? These they're they're like throwing each other around, and and then they're out on the balcony just chain smoking <laughs> gives you hope huh it does well, there's something about the I think there's something about the, the Russian uh, Russian DNA where you can yeah. you can still you can drink vodka and still be ripped and you can smoke and still run around stage in circles it's the suffering gene I think I think maybe that's what yeah, it is yeah. they did this they did this one stunt where there were literally three guys on top of each other's shoulders and then a fourth guy got on someone else's shoulders and did a backflip and landed on as the fourth guy on top of this people tower. Wow, that's insane. How would they do that? I'm sorry we didn't see that. We, we had another show to go to after that one. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's something that you want to work into your act, I don't think anyone... <laughs> I mean, you, no one would be able to compete with that. Because the, the band's great. You got the music thing down. Right. If you just could do some tumbling... Dan's got the chain-smoking thing down. I do. I totally I have that part of it. 
I don't know with the backflip. Are you guys? How many shows are you guys doing at Sapphire? A million. Too many. Eight. Is you're doing eight shows? Yes. Jesus. Are they full sets? Uh, no. No. Oh, okay. Uh, some of them are. Uh, you know, last night was thirty minutes, and then we had a what was supposed to be an hour yeah, long, right. an hour long show, but it ended up being another thirty minutes. It got truncated to uh, thirty minutes. Does, is that okay? Do you mind that? Or is yeah, it, we minded a I little. I mind it. Yeah. <laughs> I mind it because people wanted to come and see the show. And, they and there were a lot of people. We, It was 1.30 and there were a lot of people still there and they were saying, you got to get off stage. And we got off stage and people were still standing around like, come on, play some more songs. They could see us. There was no backstage. Right, they could exactly. see us standing yeah. there. They're like, come on, play some more songs. And they wouldn't play. turn the house music on because there was a decibel limit outside. So there was just a, there was a big uh, confusion, I think, between the audience and us. And So the show stopped suddenly and all of a sudden there was just emptiness. Yeah. 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 Brought to you by Jansport. No, brought, it, emp- standing there going, we're emptiness. not allowed. We're not allowed to play. Brought to you by Jansport. <laughs> well, listen the thing. When, when you have drunk fans standing in the audience, they don't have the presence of mind to go... You know the house probably stopped the show because of weird noise regulations, or like they yeah. they probably get they probably were like, "What the fuck, bros?" Yeah. yeah. But here, let's That's talk. About, like. Let's talk about why we only get to play thirty minutes. Let's talk because we have it. a yeah. public forum to talk. Yes, about you, yes, yes. All right, so it's we a good story. we got asked to play a uh, you know this Vice showcase, and I've like not with this band, but I, I've done a bunch of shows for Vice with my other bands with Wolf Parade and Handsome Furs. Yeah. And, I've had a good relationship with those guys. Like, you know, they they do some cool stuff. They put good bands together. You know, we got to play with Japan Droids. We're friends oh, with those cool. guys. So I was really excited about this show. So when we got to the sound check, uh, there's a giant hangar that can fit about 1,500 people, and it just it says Viceland, and there's there's this great stage inside, like totally pro stage, monitors, big PA system. We get there, and the crew that had to work that day were just frantically running around trying to build this what looked like a stage that I would have played on like when I was 18 years old in it was like a wedding basement. Stage. It was a wedding stage, exactly. <laughs> a yeah. foot and a half off the ground. foot and a half off the ground with a PA stack that, you know, isn't... Is come up to about... Come up chest. to Britt's chest. Yeah, yeah right. So, so we're like, oh, this is odd. Like, what's going on in the big room? Nothing is going on in the big room. For that evening, because the backpack company Jansport were one of the corporate sponsors. I think they were the big corporate sponsor of this particular night, and someone in their marketing department decided that having the show in a proper venue inside with a big stage and a nice PA didn't fit their outdoorsy marketing vibe. <laughs> well, yes, of course, because. When you think backpacks, you immediately think, I'll bet they put on a great music show. Exactly. exactly right? Exactly. So I don't know how they managed to convince the Vice people who are just, like, you know, putting on literally hundreds of shows a year, right? Like, I don't know how they convinced them to just leave that venue dead and move it outside to a place that was underpowered, uh small PA and yeah the power was going out the power was going, going out constantly oh, no. as we were yeah. and there's a decibel limit because it's outside yeah uh, and because it, it was so chaotic they pushed everybody's set times back so you know Japan Droids played shorter we played shorter there was an issue with security uh, for the Japan Droids set and like you know it's, it's funny, so you've got this group of people who are standing there, music fans, who just want to see music, and at the end of the night, they're bummed because we're not playing longer, or Japan Droids isn't playing longer, and there's one person to blame for that. And that person... <laughs> Maybe not worked, anymore. That person works at a marketing department 
for a backpack company. Like, that just does not make any sense. The promotion was that they wanted to put on a music show where you could fit all of the equipment into one backpack. Well, that's what I was... I apologized to the audience, and I said, we need to fit our entire set, metaphorically, into a backpack. we got to cram it in there, so you guys got to bear with us. Listen, I'm I'm, I'm not a marketing person, and I don't know anyone at Jansport, but all I'm saying is... If they wanted to make it right and not look like jerks, they would probably put on a bigger uh, apology show and let you guys play it. For an hour. <laughs> well, they don't need I to don't apologize. Have to do that. I'm just saying they don't need they to should. apologize to us. It's just the crowd, you know. Like right. the, the crowd doesn't know any of this stuff, and you're not going to take ten minutes out of your truncated set time. Hey, how come the marketing guy <laughs> yeah. at Transport set up this poorly branded event? <laughs> like they're not. That's not. That's yeah. not a popular drunken heckle. No, no, exactly. <laughs> it's funny. I haven't been to the. <laughs> When I uh, first started coming to South by, it was probably, I don't know, like six or seven or eight years ago when uh, when they started doing comedy at the festival, mm-hmm. and it was during music, and it was a bad idea because comedy and comedy just comedy works well like Bumbershoot or you know Outside Lands or you know, but for some reason South by it just the comedy was competing too hard with the music, so they moved it to interactive. So I haven't actually been to the music part in in years. Right. What do you do? You feel like it's gotten better or crazier or or what's what's the well, vibe now? What it's gotten. Think? It gets consistently more chaotic every year. Um, I haven't actually done the real South by Southwest in like been here for a whole week. I mean, in maybe four or five years, and it, it does feel more insane. And it was insane back then. So I remember hanging out with you a couple like three years ago when the first were doing South by and you were just going to shows and you just seemed super happy to be like running around Austin drinking margaritas going to shows but I guess that's you right you weren't playing so I wasn't playing I was just going to see it and but I still m- managed to miss you a couple times yeah you did it's <laughs> <laughs> true I did get to see one show I yeah are you guys going to get to see anything while you're here, or is it pretty much just... I just heard Depeche Mode is playing. Is that right? What? No way. Really? No. I saw that in the paper. That couldn't be right, right? It was just well, listed. No, they have a they new just, album. They just played on Late Night, some late night show. <laughs> well, then maybe it's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. It was just listed at a place called Brazos at 9 p.m. on the night that... It's like they're playing opposite the Flaming Lips. Oh, what? Wow. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, that night. Damn. Aren't we playing with the Flaming Lips? Yeah, but I mean, we could leave the <laughs> Flaming Lips and go see yeah. Depeche Mode. <laughs> I would do that. You guys, you understand. Blame it on Jansport. Sorry, guys. Jansport. Jansport. Sorry. It's a yeah. marketing conflict. Jansport. <laughs> Gotta go. Just go over and watch Depeche Mode. Stooges are playing tonight. It's just with... the first I heard of it. I can't believe that's true. Anyway, Stooges are playing with who? With Japandroids right. at Mohawk. We're going to try to go to that. We're going to try and go to that. I wonder, I wonder how it is for the, you know, I mean, obviously, if a, when a festival like this scales up and they get bigger and bigger bands, I wonder if that's good for unknown bands or if it's if it makes it more competitive i, I think mean, it's worst for yeah. oh yeah i mean do you, worse. does anybody yeah. here really think that anyone is coming to this festival discovering anyone that's though? a spring break I for mean, industry people yeah, oh, it's, yeah it's, it's all it is i mean if you're a little band trying to get somebody to see you then like it's sad it's, it's really sad yeah. i mean the internet you know the, the the bands that are you know about to be discovered are already picked out before yeah, yeah. you know everybody knows what showcases they're going right. to what showcases they're going to cover uh, I've fortunately never been in the position like Wolf Parade never played South by Southwest so I've never been in the position where you know you play at the taco joint by out by Barton Springs and you're like third of eight and hope that somebody yeah. comes mm-hmm. to see you and, do they, do they and you're not getting paid and you've traveled what you know 
a day to, to get, get yeah. out. And you're probably yeah. sleeping in your car because there's right. no rooms. Yeah, yeah. And then you get, it can be brutal. And then you got the crawlback shows. We're in oh. a very fortunate position. Yeah. Well, because like, if you walk up 6th Street, you know, you can hear a different band every three feet. Like right. all the bars have all these have all these bands. And so I think it, it feels like in some cases these bands are getting heard by people, but it's more like background. Yeah. They're sort of like right. background bar bands. So like amb- the ambient sound. Of, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just the soundtrack to, to drunken uh, escapade. Austin is such an interesting city because, you know, Austin seems to exist in complete antithesis to the rest of Texas. There's this bubble and they have the Capitol building. Yeah. Right. And so there's this amazing artist community, but there's also, there's also kind of like bros that hang around Austin too. It's just like these, this weird clashing of two completely different classes of, of people. Yeah. Uh, and when you're walking up 6th Street, it's like, this is a little bro-heavy for me, yeah. you know? So, like, the fringier areas, I think, are where to, to see the better stuff. Austin was the first place I ever played in Texas. And then we had a show the next night in Denton. And I was in Austin, and I was like, oh, Texas isn't anything like I imagined. And then we played an 80s night in Denton. <laughs> and it was super bro-heavy. And I was like, Texas is exactly like I imagined it. You played an 80s night? Yeah, we played between two DJs in Denton. Texas. And you know, they send you to Denton because it's cooler than Dallas. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really? Yes. Oh, you're, you're from Texas? Yeah. What part of Texas are you? Temple, which is an hour north of here. Oh, okay. And then I lived here for... Mm, <laughs> 13 years. Yeah. yeah. Can you pretty much live wherever you want when you're a band because you travel so much? It does. You just kind of need one home. Once to you get a car. certain level of, of uh, comfort, <laughs> a certain level of success, you sort of can. I mean, it's, 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 it's still a, an effort. You know, we, we have to plan things out more in advance. We can't just pop over to each other's houses. But, yeah. but um, we make it work. Yeah. Dan just moved away from us. I did. Where did you move to? I moved to San Jose. Oh, really? Yeah. What's up in San Jose? Yeah, what's the question? My fiance is up in San okay, Jose. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. But uh, yeah, I was living in Los Angeles for a year, and then um, and then I moved I moved up there recently. Got a got a place. I have a studio up there. It's really it is it is a totally different world than Los Angeles. When did you realize you were actually moving there? Because I thought you were just going to go up there for a couple weeks. Uh, somewhere during the Australian tour, you're like, I was like, I gotta get out of, I gotta get out of my situation right, in right, LA, and I gotta right. move. Well, that I gotta, and you know, I wanted to move in with Piliana and like, uh, yeah, yeah, and got a place, and was, yeah. Suddenly, I heard you were buying furniture, and that yeah, you were buying a bed. <laughs> what? And I, oh, okay, he's not coming back. He's no, find no, a place. I moved in, moved in. I mean, if you if you get tired of San Jose, you know what people don't know right now is that. This is a very snazzy Marriott quasi suite. Uh, yeah, I guess I could move in here. <laughs> There's a small I like my place. And an inductive heating grill top. I mean, why would you need anything else than this? That's, you got some sweet art there. Yeah, there's some sweet did that, art. Did you put that up or did that come with the room? Uh, it came with the room. <laughs> I, um, I kind of, you know, I figured let the experts at Marriott just, just decipher my art tastes. And uh, they're pretty right on. I like, uh, I like abstract colors. Um, this uh, sort of a microscope slide, which is nice. <laughs> Beautiful. That's exactly. Yeah. And then right that's, that's a close-up shot of a leaf, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is really nice. You got the science room. Yeah, and then that one right there just sort of looks like someone accidentally hit the photo button on their phone um, when they weren't when they were trying to check their contacts. Yeah. And it just got that picture. But other than that, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I'm I'm in so many hotels that it almost kind of doesn't even matter to me. Do you, do you guys? 
Are you do you tour bus it or do you fly? And, depends. Um, depends. If we're doing a long tour. tour of, you know, the states, then we'll be in a bus. But uh, but mostly we've been flying lately. Yep. We flew all over Australia and we got a lot of one-offs this year, so we'll be flying. Right. Around. So you guys are essentially Divine Fits are sort of a, a mega band of all these all these bands that just sort of like lava lamped together into one into one uh, into one band. You're sort of like I like that terminology. Mega like a lot better than what I usually get. Yeah. Yeah. What do you usually get? Oh, you know, super group kind of thing. Oh, this, <laughs> that's that's fine. That's fine. We are a super group. Yeah. I mean, everyone. It's uh, so. What are all the bands? It's uh, Wolf Parade and Spoon and uh, Handsome Furs. Um, what are, what are Papa, 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 New Bomb Turks, New Bomb Turks. Yeah. So how did you, how did you guys all decide to come together to form your Justice League of bands? Bit by bit, <laughs> you pulled your Voltron. Our Voltron of bands. What is that? <laughs> you have to be your what? Voltron. 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 What's Voltron? Oh my God, Brit, come on. Am I out of it? I don't know. It just means you didn't watch cartoons in the 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you were probably um, having sex with girls and playing guitar. Yeah. We, uh... <laughs> <laughs> we, uh Voltron is basically, is basically a force of, of piloted robots that come together. Depending on which iteration of Voltron you watch, there is a robot, giant cat robot, giant tiger robots who come together to form a massive... A bit bigger robot. A much bigger robot. That so has like kind of a hive mind. Well, there were certainly there were certainly uh, elements of Transformers. There was basically in the '80s what you had were these Japanese toy companies going, "How do we sell toys?" And so they made all these cartoons. So uh, most of the Japanimation that you saw on American television were just half-hour commercials to buy Transformer and Voltron right. toys. All goes back to Robotech. It all goes back to Robotech. Yeah, yeah. Robotech uh, was another another or one. Battle of the Planets was one that was like even farther back. That was a similar thing. They all kind of came together. I watched that when I was really some kind of deep nerd. Yeah, yeah it's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like the first like Japanime like. Uh, syndicated cartoon that was on it was on after General Hospital. And they so my mom would watch soaps, and then I would watch that. <laughs> yeah, and you both would watch both together. Yeah, I would, I would catch the tail end of General Hospital because I got out of school a half hour before. And she'd get the beginning of Battle and of the she'd Planets. She'd get the beginning of Battle of the Planets. Right? If only in General Hospital, all the doctors could come together and form a giant mega doctor <laughs> uh, with amazing diagnostic capabilities. <laughs> yeah, I think we both would have been happy. And arm lasers. Yeah. To be honest, would be really rad to cauterize wounds. One super hunky robot. <laughs> so basically, that's what Voltron is. It was all these pieces coming together to form this one body and so I, I, I always think uh, when that happens I always think from a boring kind of a marketing standpoint you guys have like a bunch of different voices and brands that all sort of come together so it's sort of like a, you know you're, you're making this mega dessert for people <laughs> like how a do, densely how do you, layered tiramisu of rock it kind of is or like yogurt land where you're like oh I get a little bit of cookies and cream I get a little bit of milk I get a little bit of chocolate What's yogurt land like God frozen, damn it! Frozen yogurt kind of thing, you know, self-serve. What is Voltron? What is Yogurtland? Guys, I'm Canadian. I don't know what Yogurtland <laughs> okay, is. Okay, where, where are you from in Canada? British Columbia. Nice. Yeah, I love uh, Vancouver's a uh, good, good comedy town. Is it? It is. Yeah, Vancouver, Toronto, and you would know. I used to go to this. There's, a, I can't remember what it's called, but this is bar that's across the street from a hotel where they do like comedy nights. Yeah, off of Granville. And I used to see like traveling comedians in there just pounding booze, looking miserable. No, that sounds like comedy. Yeah, yeah. I used to, that was my that was my favorite part. You know, the comedians and the musicians are not entirely different. 
Um, I think there are more groupies in music, but uh, no, actually, I guess it's pretty different. <laughs> Damn it. I always, I always say on the show that uh, I think all comedians want to be rock stars, and, I'm, and all rock stars want to be comedians. You, was there ever... I've seen you. I've seen you live before, and you were really funny. I saw you at the Avalon, and you. It was you, and I think. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correct. I'm just copying uh, uh, Nick Harcourt, uh, the clientele. But I saw you guys play together. Yeah, the clientele. I yeah, thought it yeah. was the clientele, but Nick Harcourt was insistent that well, it was the clientele. Yeah, that's the way he says it. That's the way the band says it. So, but. It, they're wrong. I'm, I, they are many wrong. of them. I'm, I'm <laughs> one of their biggest fans, wrong. and I still call them the clientele. <laughs> are they still playing together? Um, I don't think they've broken up, but uh, Alistair has started another band, um, which I can't remember the name of right this second. I should know this. The clientele, too. Yeah. But I think the, the clientele is still happening. I saw them two years ago outside of a cheese bar in Wisconsin <laughs> when I was on the road with RJD2. <laughs> oh, that's they were awesome. still very much a band. Yeah. In a van. What was the cheese... We, it was like, you know, there's a thousand of them between Minneapolis and Madison. Well, I know the Cheese Castle. Yeah. There's a Cheese Castle? Yeah. It, it may have been the Cheese Castle. But it was like a, you know, it was a the big Cheese Castle. The Cheese Castle's the big one. Yeah. And they were like, oh, you guys are in a band? Yeah. We're in a band, too. Well, it turned out it was the clientele. So the how, clientele. Do you, how do you guys, how do you guys, the clientele clientele debate rages on? Um, we're not going to solve it today, guys. <laughs> they have their opinion. We have our opinion. But what do you, when you combine all these different voices, um, does it just sort of, do you just sort of let it fit together how it's going to fit together, or is there I think a little that, that push was pull? that was really the the idea was that we wouldn't talk about it, and and I I didn't really want to have a game plan for the band. We just I wanted to play with these guys, and I just knew that if we got together and did something, it would be good. You know? it's, yeah, yeah, it's not like we started with saltines, vanilla wafers, and you know ketchup. We had like. Most everything, most everybody's <laughs> tastes in music were similar enough that we didn't have to like. It didn't take a lot of effort. We just played together and we just kind of assumed it, it was going to work. Yeah, out. and it worked. Do you write together, or do you do you each sort of present? Sometimes, sometimes we yeah we've done a little bit of uh, you know I think in certain bands it works and certain certain bands it doesn't and but and cert, with certain jam bands it doesn't work but we do we were able to jam sometimes and come up with something that's kind of cool. It's usually happening when we're not meaning to, you know, if, yeah, we're, right. if we're at a sound check and something else is going on, then if you come across something that seems to be working, you just record it real quick, record 45 seconds, and that's how, would that not be nice um, from our record started? It was, you know, 60 seconds worth of jam. Yeah, we have like a one and a half minute cap on yeah, jams. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't jam <laughs> that's a, like that's a, that's a good a point. Yeah. That, that is the difference between us and jam bands. Yeah. yeah. We're like, all right, that's it. <laughs> yeah. We got it. We got it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> something. that's something. Record that, take that home, cut it up into different sections, and then sing on top of it, and then you have a song, you know. But it doesn't always work that you can sing on top of those things, but that one really worked well. Yeah. Do you feel like that because you guys have been playing music for so long separately and been in, in, in other other bands that you sort of, that maybe you're really efficient together because you're like, we, got, we figured we know how this shit works. Let's just fucking lay this down and do it and keep it simple and keep yeah, well, it's, yeah. what's There's no, there's no, uh, there's, there's nothing, we're not being intentional about it when we're doing that kind of stuff. I think it just, it just happens and that's, and I think it is maybe because we've been in so many bands but we do have some kind of spark between ourselves, you know, some kind of chemistry that, that allows it to happen. It doesn't happen with everybody, you know. Yeah. It's true. Is it fun to, I mean, 
do you ever, I always wonder if a band, do you ever have the struggle of like, oh, I just want my own band and I, everyone has to do what I say? Or do you, do you really prefer, like, do you really prefer the sort of communal aspect of it? Well, you kind of have that, don't you? <laughs> huh? I've been in both situations. I, I, I don't, you know, I like, uh, I think that when you combine tastes and combine ideas, you come up with something greater than you could on your own. Yeah. You know, I really do think that. And I don't think I got that one maybe 15 years ago, but I get it now. Well, you, you in particular, you, you write, you seem to write pretty fast. I mean, Spoon, you guys bang out, like, entire albums, like, oh my god, you know, when I first discovered you guys, I'm like, Jesus Christ, it was like a treasure trove of yeah. all these, all this amazing work. How do you, how do you manage that? I don't, I don't, I mean, it doesn't feel fast to me, but it's, but, but I do hear people say that sometimes, you know. Um, but, but some bands might only make an album. Or two, right. over like ten years. Right, right, right. That's a modern. That, that's a completely modern thing. It I is. Think. Yeah, that's I, like the U two Metallica model. Yeah, the or the Science. even the ra- you could you could put Radiohead in that category yeah. as much as. It, and you know. know why that is? Because the money is in playing shows, not in making records. Yeah, <clears throat> and that that stretches out everything. Or if oh. you have a hit record, you're gonna you know the you're gonna milk company, it for a while. You're gonna want to stay on the road as long as possible to make as much money off that album as you can. I mean, like huge bands like U two just tour for two years an album you know then by the time they get back home and they can write more it's that in Pro Tools that in Pro Tools <laughs> yeah that stretches it out slows it right down yeah I think there's also a, an aesthetic thing that happened some, somewhere in the like early 2000s <clears throat> with like maybe like Neutral Milk Hotel that Airplane Over the Sea record was like the touchstone for that but it seemed like all my friends were playing music around then like when Wolf Parade started it shifted from writing uh trying to write songs that people would connect to like like the focus was on we're gonna write a song that's like really great people are gonna love it to writing these grand sort of statements of intent that were like an entire album Mm. you know and then that neutral milk hotel record is really successful at at that that's just a really great piece of work that's totally complete aesthetically but for every that record there's like five records that are like all right just because there's 80 minutes on a CD doesn't right. mean you need to fill it all up, right. you know. There's sort of like that so Elvis Costello thing, though, where you, where you, where you, re- I really just get the sense, oh, he just kind of gets an idea in his head, and then he just go record it, and they just put it, puts it out. They don't really. There's not a lot of like we have to make an event around the release of the. I mean, I don't even know. Do album? Are there even really events around music releases anymore, or is it just like ah, just get it out there? You try to you try, try to, to make it an event, you know. I don't know. I don't know how many people care, but I mean, albums is still what matters to me more than anything. Um, and when we put one out, we try to let people know, you know, this is this is the deal. This is yeah. the most important thing we do. And how are you able to? How do you do that now? I don't know. You go play a bunch of record stores. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for creative ideas. You do so. secret shows. Yeah. You, uh, I mean, when we announced the band and I, I guess like when, when our record was ready to go we did this hometown show thing where like our first show was in Austin at Continental Club right right yeah and then and then we flew to Montreal and then we flew to Columbus Ohio and then Cause like, you, so each of our hometowns each of our hometowns because you also have the challenge of you know for, for some of the public 
you're a new band because there's a new name, right? And so you still yeah, for it's most not of like, the public, yeah. for yeah, most so, of the so, public. So it's not like you can be handsome spoon parade. Like you yeah. have to, <laughs> you really gotta. Only. You have to let people know, like, hey, it's us. Yeah, and we're yeah. in those other bands that you like, but now we're together. Yeah, yeah, you do, and things will happen. Like we'll be playing a show in Boston, and what was it? Like the kid came up to you and said. What are you doing here at this show? Yeah, like I'm playing. I'm in the damn band. <laughs> and, and he, and then you were like, and Britt from Spoons in it. Too. And he was like, what, what, what? <laughs> He's like, he said something like, I bought tickets because I heard the song on the radio and it sounded like Spoons, so I thought I liked it. Yeah. But he was shocked to find out that we were that <laughs> I was in the band. You know? That's really funny. Yeah. Do you th- you think because uh, there is sort of a nice. I mean this in the best way possible. There is this kind of a cool like Fleetwood Mackie thing going on. So like. You sing some of the songs, you sing some of the songs. Like, I don't know, it's like... My favorite bands are like that, yeah. It's really cool, yeah, where, where you go, oh, everyone is contributing, it's not, you know, it's not just, well, that guy's going to play that instrument, and that guy's, and then he's going to sing, and then... Yeah. I think people forgot that, like, you know, one of the most popular bands of all time, the Beatles, did that. Yeah. And so now, like, <laughs> people think it's odd that bands do that. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah you have more than one singer. Like, weird, yeah. yeah that's well, that, weird. And the Clash. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, you know? of course. Like, yeah, the Pixies. Because everyone actually has something to contribute. Yeah. But do you, do you so some songs are going to sound probably a little more spoony, some songs are probably going to sound a little more Wolf Parade, some songs are, but, you know, if you were to make three or four albums, do you think there would sort of, it would evolve into some completely other thing? I think that's starting to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that yeah, that's kind of the general idea for me was that, you know, if you have Paul McCartney or John Lennon, this is an extreme example because we're talking about the greatest band of all time, probably. But you know, Paul McCartney, if you never would have met John Lennon, he would have gone off and done something amazing. John Lennon would have gone and done something amazing on his own self. But but there's no way they would have become as great as they were had they not met and worked together and fed off each other and been competitive with each other and helped each other and fought with each other. And so that, I wanted to be in a kind of situation like that, you know. Do you feel, uh, I mean, are, are the other bands that you're not working with right now, are, are they like, hey, hey guys, what's up? Or, or do they sort of know the, I mean, you'll go back and forth or? Yeah, I got together with Spoon um, two weeks ago and we were working on new music and, you know, it went really, really well. And may, maybe it's a good thing, you know, for, for all the situations. Yeah. yeah. How, many, uh, how many albums does Spoon have at this Seven. Point? Seven albums. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. You're not, a, it's, you're, not an, you're not an old guy, so seven albums just for, <laughs> for that one band alone. Oh, I thank you. Is pretty crazy. <laughs> I said that because we're the same age, so I just wanted to... Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> feel better about, I feel better about myself, too. <laughs> but we're really young guys. That's true. I mean, it's like not, <laughs> look even, at us. not even in the prime of our lives yet. So you got so much to look forward to. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Shitting my pants. Uh, that's gonna be really fun. Um, it is gonna be fun. <laughs> Actually, it's killbots. Sh- you got killbots to look forward to. Killbots will be great. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the shitting your pants that's fun. I think it's the idea that you could shit your pants and not care. It's, right. it's a, you take care of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do? Like once I'm you have old. the, what are you gonna do? <laughs> and then, you know, yes, of course, a lot of things are over for you. But at the same time. You're probably fine, you know, you're ha- you're fine. It's a whole new world of irresponsibility that's yeah, just beginning. Yeah, a wise old baby. Yeah. So- 
Okay, that should be the next name of your next band. Wise uh, old baby. Wise old baby. You live in Columbus. I do. Um, which I know is uh, it's got some snickers from the other guys in the band, but Columbus actually. I'm just has... laughing at the way he said it. No, you were pointing at him like you're a cute like. You motherfucker! Yeah. How dare you? I think Columbus is actually a really cool. Like there is a, I performed there before. There's a nice um, there's a little arty community there. In Columbus. Yeah, it's cool. Do you ever uh, have you ever lived anywhere else? No. Do you ever want to live anywhere else? Or yes. Is it just... <laughs> What are, what, are you, what are you thinking? Probably California eventually. But Columbus is fine. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have a family that is, you know, it's a big group of people that I can't move everybody to California right now. Yeah. So, But I love Columbus. It's great. You know, nobody you knows know? about it. It's no, I'm yeah. from LA. Oh, you're from LA? Yeah. Do you still you live there now? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You must be an East Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm from. I live in Echo Park. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say it because I didn't want you to be like, "Hey, no, I live in Echo no, Park." What, what neighborhood did you grow up in? Encino. Oh, oh really? Yeah, in the valley. Snazzy Valley. Snazzy Valley. Bruh. Yeah. CPK Chin Chin. Eight one eight. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those places where you go, oh yeah, it's just right next to Sherman Oaks, and then you start driving down Ventura, and you're like, where the fuck yeah, is exactly. Encino? It's exactly. <laughs> so far away. <laughs> The, yeah, no, no one ever wanted to come over to my house. Oh. I didn't see now. <laughs> but what's happening? What's happening on Saturday? I'm having a big, big party. What? Yeah, I'm having a big party at my house. In Echo Park? In Echo Park for what? my friend's birthday. That's fantastic. Yeah. What's the? Uh, it's my friend's twenty-first birthday. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. He's actually. How old are you? Twenty-two. Jesus <laughs> Christ! What the fuck? Are you serious? That's the punchline yeah. to that yeah. joke. Not that you look old, but but you have a you have a beard and you look you look like a grown up. You can grow a full beard. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I would have said man. I would have said twenty seven, twenty eight. I'll take it. He's hanging with the big dog. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So how did, hey, have you guys uh, hazed the freshman yet? No, but people have tried to get us to. Yeah, which I don't really understand. Yeah. At all. We Wait, what? A, see, he asked if people if we've hazed you, and I'm talking about that. Uh, the guy that did want us to haze you, the uh, we had this tech guy that was just oh, basically yeah. like oh god, I don't know what his <laughs> deal was, but it was like a real like jockey almost sports thing where he was just like scammed the band and was like oh there's the young guy I'm gonna mess with him yeah it was so <laughs> and it was, was so kind of like come on everybody like right like mess with the young guy <laughs> we're just like, that's Alex what are you doing man we're, like, we're just here to play you're, and you're kind we of just met you in working Africa. for him yeah. <laughs> too so. it was. It was weird. It was a real weird situation. I hope you flipped out and fired the guy in front of everyone to assert your dominance. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I kind of wish get... I had, but no, I did not. Do we that. just kind of stood there while he pedaled off on his tiny pink mountain bike towards Brooklyn. <laughs> so, we, so when we when we talk about <laughs> so when we when we when we kind of make reference to if we ever make reference to like. Well, the music industry used to be dot, dot, dot. You have no concept of that whatsoever, dude. No, like you guys are talking about South By, how it's changed. I don't know, fucking clue. I was here for my first time. How has South year. By changed since you were 14? How has South By changed since last year for you? Yeah, my first time here was last year. So does it seem any different? It's just as fucking crazy. It's well, so now you have a hotel. Now I have my own hotel. Yeah, Dan and I were sharing a room last year. It was... Five of us in one hotel room with one bed. So you're moving up, man. Yeah, stick yeah. with us. Climb the ladder. <laughs> Making moves. 
It's a good look. <laughs> it's a good look for you, Alex. Right, I really wish this podcast were going to go up before Saturday so that we could try to get a bunch of people to your friend's birthday party. Oh, his roommate is going to be so pissed. <laughs> Are you playing? Are you going to play at the party? No, no. I would probably just DJ from my iPod and... I you adorable kids and you're DJing from your iPods. Put, to put up some Christmas lights, make it real charming. In the old days, a guy had to take a milk crate full of vinyl records and have two turntables, sometimes three. Yeah, well, I don't got to do that. <laughs> you're just going to DJ from YouTube, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to pull up the, the YouTube Crossfade yeah. website and just uh, spin all night long, low quality. Only low quality videos. Yeah. <laughs> if it's too high quality, people are suspect of it. Yeah, you know, it's like, what is this guy doing? Is some kind of asshole? Like, he made only guy high quality. Seconds. Hey, let me ask you about that. That's kind of a, that's something I'm. I I I feel like you know, the, the, there's a certain culture now, and it's around your age and younger. I think of people that because you obviously want to make the best, most polished album you can, and you want to make. Do you do you feel like there's any sort of backlash against things that are well produced because people. I think people kind of read well-produced things as like, oh, that must be corporate because everything should be made in a bedroom. And, you know, like, is that, do you feel like that? There's definitely a, a, a taste of, of lo-fi-ness that people like, I would say. I don't, I don't know where exactly it comes from. I think it comes, it probably comes from people listening to, to older records, like older punk records, stuff like that, that were lo-fi and like, oh, I want to do something like that or, you know. But there can be great records that are well, that are super produced. Yeah, you know, it's totally. just the, the challenge is to, is to uh, somehow keep it real or inspired or, you know, to keep it exciting, you know. It can be done either way. And it, you can, there certainly are a lot of boring lo-fi records. You know? yeah. 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 Where do you guys, do you feel like you still write from the same place that you were writing from? you know, 15 years ago? Like, is it the same? Are you accessing the same well, or do you feel like it's coming from a different part? <laughs> a different organ? You, you answer this one. <clears throat> hmm. I think it's... I, I think at the at the end of the day, it's coming from exactly the same place. I still feel like... Like, I... When I started writing songs, I had, like, a boombox, and then I had a Walkman... Those played I, I actually, I had a Walkman. The sets were taped. My parents, my parents wouldn't get. It me was a music CD through magnets. They wouldn't give you a CD player. No, because it was cheaper to get the cassette deck, so they got me the cassette deck. So you're familiar with this technology? I'm familiar with this. I actually, I actually man. used to listen to the radio and record songs off the radio to tape deck from my boombox. What? Yeah. Wow. Just like we did in the '80s. Yeah, I did that in the '80s. So I had this boombox and this and this uh, Walkman that had a microphone on it. So I would record like a guitar line into the boombox, play it out into the room, record that, and sing over it into a new cassette in the Walkman. Put that back in the boombox, and I think Robert Pollard is still doing it that way. <laughs> and it's like you get this weird, warbly, awful sound, but I. The feeling that I got, like, I remember, like, one of the first songs I ever wrote was, I can't even remember the title, but it was fucking awful. It was, like, a teenage, <laughs> like, my girlfriend had left and gone back to America. She's this American girl, got deported, went back to America, and I had so many songs from that. Your, right. girl, your, your teenage girlfriend got deported? Yeah, yeah. Her family was living illegally in Canada. Her dad was working in the woods, uh... In British Columbia, where I grew up. Oh wow! Yeah, so I had all these feelings, and uh, <laughs> and, and I remember writing this song, and 
just on the boombox, and I had this great feeling playing it back, walking around, like, oh, I can sing and play guitar and write, like, a coherent song, and it, it's this weird, intangible feeling, and I still get that when I, when I come up with something, you know, at home or with the band, I, I still get that feeling, and that's, that's, that's what keeps me playing music. That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> Way to translate, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for the that's younger, for the younger listeners, listeners. Yeah. three words. That's, that's what's, what's up. up. I'm pulling it from the same well. No, it's just two because it's just less. <laughs> oh, that's what's up. Oh, you're that's supposed to say hashtag that's what's up because that's how kids communicate now. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Didn't you even know your own demographic? You're communicating in a hashtag. It's a trill feeling, man. For real. Yeah. How do you get past the? How do you get past the wall? Like when you hit the writing wall. If you hit the writing wall, what do you what do you guys what do you do? What are your what are your tricks? Uh, try to approach it from a different frame of mind, like set it aside for a while, or go see a movie. Go see, yeah, booze. <laughs> exactly that that does help sometimes. Yeah, it does. Sometimes it doesn't help. Right. <laughs> sometimes it's a uh, it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. But yeah, I think you know you just got to realize you can't always get lucky. You know, it's not going to happen every time. And it can be f- super frustrating, but as long as you keep that, you know, try to remember that. And I can't always try to remember that because sometimes I get super bummed when I can't come up with something and I want to, you know. Or maybe I have these feelings and I can't express them the way I want to. <laughs> but do you feel like you're even the best judge of what's going to work and what's not going to work? Well, that's the worst is when you come up with something and you get that feeling. That it's going to work. That it's going to work and you're like, yes, yes, I have it. This is great. And then you bring it to you know your band or maybe you play it for somebody who's not in your band and they're like yeah that's what okay cool there's there's something there you know like uh uh maybe it needs a little work in the uh and then that that that's hard yeah you might think this is better than it is yeah well i think there's i i think the i think the parallel with comedy i'm sorry to relate it back to that but i'm just not a musician so i don't but it Sometimes you can come up with a joke, like it's like you said, you come up with a joke and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be my new closer. Right. And you get out and you throw it in front of people and they just kind of stare at you and you're like, oh, I don't really know anything. That makes you question your entire, like, it's so ridiculous. But I have, I have, I have a theory about what, what happens, which is that I think sometimes you can come up with things that are too inside your own head. Right. And the reason that it connects so well in your own head is because you have the sum total of all of your references and your personality that ignite it. Right. And other people don't necessarily have that point of view. So to you, you're like, this is the greatest! And everyone's like, I don't live in your head. You've written the closer <laughs> joke for an audience of views. Yes, exactly. Right? Like, exactly. Or, or the, the, the end set song for an audience of all you. And yeah. since usually the audience of me's does not have the decency to show up sometimes. <laughs> but, it, you know, is it... So how much of it do you feel is... Hey, this is what I want to say versus, well, it's a relationship and we should try to, you know, form some sort of a pact with the audience about what the material is. I think you got to try to find something that pleases you and, you know, if you know that something, I don't know if I've been in a situation where something really, really pleased me a lot and I could feel that it was bombing consistently. But if I did, I probably would throw it out, you know? Yeah. You got, you got to... You, you know, it is important to um, please yourself, and it's, you know, you got to be making other people happy, too. How aware of you guys are the with the audience when you're on stage? Are you, 
do you sort of go into a bubble and you're like, well, we're just playing and then we're, we'll be done? Or are you hyper aware of the room and everyone and the energy of the room and connecting with them? Hyper aware. Hyper aware. Yeah. You must be too. I imagine. Well, as a comic, you have to be. Yeah, yeah. Because the only way that, the, I mean, like, with music, and maybe this isn't fair, but I think some comics are always like, oh, it's easy if you could just play music because it's music. It and must, no, I mean, there's something to that. Because if you're having a bad show, you know, you can turn inward and be like, fuck it, and just crank the amps Yeah, you up. can rely on volume. You can rely on, you know, the fact that the, the audience knows the songs. I always, what I always thought must be hard about being a comedian is you can't go tour with, you know, jokes that you did last year, you know? No, you shouldn't. I mean, especially if, well, you you can if the people there haven't seen them yet. Right, if, if you're reaching. But once you release, it's but the, the, the difference is, like, when you guys release an album, you're going to go play those songs. Right, and uh-huh. people we want release, to hear those songs. Exactly. When we, when we release an album, you can't go do those jokes right. anymore. Right, right. So the album is like the capping of like yeah. you doing those jokes on the road. Yeah, well, because comedy is like comedy is like a magic trick, and once people get the turn, yeah, then it's they don't they already see it coming, right? And so they go, why? As opposed to a, when you see a band, you go, why didn't they play that song I loved? But when you go see a comic, you know, you're like, why did he do that joke I already heard? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? it must be rough. I thought this guy was it's supposed right. to be it's funny. funny. Yeah. No, it's good actually. I think from from. You know, if if you love comedy, it's fun because you get sick of your own jokes after a while, and so it's sort of fun to. There's a little bit of a steeplechase to it where you get to like, oh, I get to go write new stuff with an audience. Right. Do you guys do you do you ever kind of riff stuff on stage, or is everything pretty much figured out before you go up? Yeah, we pretty much figure it out. It's we're, right now we're doing a song that we kind of barely know. That's, yeah. That's about as close as it gets. And there's elements of like, you know, we don't play the ends of certain. So like, there's for your heart that song. Like, we we'll, we jam that song. Out. Right, I mean, it's a set jam, but yeah, you can, yeah, songs can be modified. Right. Subtly different every time we play. But I wouldn't want to get up on stage and jam. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you're, you're not you're not going to be the jam band. No, that people go see in parking lots. Uh, and do like little pre-show cookouts and stuff. No, like you, they just no. want to come see. No, no, never. Mm-hmm. What are songs the... don't get better the longer you play them. <laughs> like everybody gets bored with their part and inevitably starts to do something that isn't good, and then you have four people doing like really goofy shit all at the same time. Well, I think there, I think there's a difference between, and obviously there's a lot of overlap, but I think there's like there's like drug music culture, which is. I just want to groove out on this one thing. Yeah. yeah. My, one of my favorite episodes of South Park is the jam band episode. Yeah. You know that one? Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's, it, I think, because one of the other guys who's usually on the podcast is a huge Dave Matthews fan, and so he's seen the Dave Matthews band like 42 times, and he's like, yeah, but every show's different. Like, I know. <laughs> yeah, I got, a, I got a really good friend. Uh, Wow, all these noises at once. I know, well, I What's have the... Going uh, on, I accidentally had the... I had it Bluetooth through the jam box, so... Uh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I travel with a lot of techno toys. I, like, I, I must... I'm Every time I go through security, I feel like I'm going to get flagged as a terrorist. I have these recording devices, I have that, I have a ton of cables and wires and mm-hmm. connectors, and they never flag me. My old band, I used to travel with uh, modular synth. So, you know, they're like the 1960s style, like, uh, it's just a 
metal box that opens up that has a bunch of knobs and wires sticking out of it. Like <laughs> and people that clock. play music don't even know what it is. Yeah. So like people at the airport, I'm sure. Yeah, they're really just like, confused. what in the hell is... Yeah. And I All right, just... I, got a, I got a video idea for you guys. You can totally have this. And here it is. You're going through TSA... And they have, you have all your equipment and weird gear and stuff, and they make you take it out, and they're like, well, you're going to have to demonstrate that. You're going to have to show, like, turn it on. And then you guys just play a TSA. I don't know how it plays out or how it ends. It's like drinking your own breast milk. It is. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. If you could write a song called Drinking Your Own Breast Milk and then make that video. Yeah. What are some of the tricks that you guys have when you when you sort of talk about when you said when you're on stage and you know something might I mean I, I can't imagine that you ever feel like you're bombing but mm. if something's not going as well do you have little tricks that you fall back on to sort of I tell Sam to drum louder <laughs> That's my trick and I obey <laughs> Drum louder Yeah I did that last night did you really? Yes. But the but the crowd was super into it. The, the crowd was super into it, but but it was uh, it was a little distancing that uh, stage, you know, yeah. like we and it was sounded really funny up there and only the first four rows were really seeing any action on stage, so yeah. the, the, the crowd really was good. I they looked great. bored. You what? I looked bored. You look bored. <laughs> How do you do? You have do you have to keep a a specific kind of excited or happy face on? I just try to keep a decent face on. I like the fact that every photo of you playing drums, you just look like some kind of weird monster. It's so great. I, I want to start <laughs> a blog no. of like drummer faces. Like I'm not it's saying like, you're not a handsome dude because I think no, you're it's handsome, funny. But, yeah, I'm, but every there's some really good ones out there. Like I don't know, I just kind of puff my face out when I play. Solo. Drumface.tumblr. Seriously, yeah, man, but, I'm sure there's plenty of great pics. You are a cool-looking drummer. Totally. That's that what, right. That's what you're saying, right? You're a cool monster. Yeah, I look cool. You're like cool a monster. really cool monster. You're like a Monster Zinc monster, like a monster that you would yeah, want to hang out you with. you totally want to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah, but I wasn't telling you to drum louder because you there was something wrong with what you were doing. Oh, it I It was know, because yeah. I wasn't. I wanted to hear you more. Like, I wanted yeah. to get more turned on by the situation. You know? <laughs> so does that, do, you, do you shout that when you're playing? You're like, play yes. louder. What did I say? Yeah, you said play louder. Yeah, said, I saw you play And he immediately took the, what, the tea towel yeah, off of the drum? Yeah, I had drums. like a towel on my snare drum because we have this song that has this like electronic vibe and I try to make the drums sound like, you know, whatever the track sounds like. Um, and it was just, it was really quiet. It was like, it sounded like I was hitting a cardboard box. I usually put my wallet on it. Yeah. I forgot my wallet. So I just grabbed the towel and put it on there and then it was just like... I always do feel the worst for the drummers, though, because everyone else can just walk off stage, but you have to disassemble your drums. Yeah. <laughs> like, the drummer's always got to, like, guys, can I pull the van around back? Yeah. they got to load everything but, yeah. I don't, Drummers love playing drums so much, they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it gets so fun. That they're just like, yeah, man, I can't wait to sell this shit up so I can play my drums. If that's true, why did Phil Collins start running Genesis? Because he's got an amazing voice. <laughs> Because do do Peter Gabriel left the band, and they were like, who else can sing here? <laughs> oh, this guy. doing a good job of backups. You sing. You up out front there. Yeah. And then, uh, is there any, do you ever, would you ever want to front a band? I do. I, I write songs. I have a band back home that I just, you know, play songs for my friends and stuff, and write little pop songs at my house. Do you get mad when the drummer in that band doesn't play the drums like you wrote? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. I'll like write songs to my own beats and then, you know, it's 
totally hopeless to ask anybody to play like you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you guys expect that... Do you sort of feel like this could be a relationship that would go on for several albums, or do you are you do you not think about several that? hours maybe? No, yeah, there's no way we're done. Like September, it's over. is it? Yeah, it's over. <laughs> no, we're gonna make more records. Well, because because it, it's it's sort of I, I know there's the artistic side of it, which is like, hey, we just all want to play together. But then there's also the probably the for lack of a better term, the brand building of it, which is like get, getting people used to the fact that you're a band and, get, and getting them, you know, like showing them what your voice is and then and then letting them watch you evolve and stuff. Or does it, or is it really just sort of like, hey, this year we felt like playing with together and next year we'll be off doing other things? Or oh, I, I we'll think more we're going to make more yeah, records. We're sure. already recording like a yeah. single, which is really exciting because it's kind of the first thing that we've we've really written like. That we've done since we've been playing since shows. We, yeah, yeah. We made the whole record without having played a show, which was, you know, it, was, it made sense at the time, but it was it presented its own uh, difficulties, especially in the way of fun, you know? Yeah. It, this band became a lot more fun once we started doing shows. A oh, lot yeah. more fun. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it seemed, even though we were writing these songs and we were playing them live together in the studio, it... There was something totally theoretical about it, you know, <laughs> until we got on stage here in Austin. And I remember, like, the first the first show we did. Everybody was beaming. We were, yeah, because yeah, everybody kind of looked at each other and were like, oh, that's what you do when you yeah, play yeah, in yeah. front of people. That's, Fucking band. Oh, I had yeah. no idea you were such a madman when you, you know, played. <laughs> Dan just goes crazy. I didn't know, you know. Does this, do different groupings of people that you play with bring out different aspects of your personality on stage? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I feel really comfortable playing in this band. Like I, I when I get on stage, I, I always feel like you know. I know Sam's gonna play drums. He's gonna play amazing drums. Alex is gonna play amazing keyboards. Brett's gonna play amazing bass and guitar and sing. And I feel like this comfort where I can just like you know, sort of let myself go on stage. I think everybody has. Yeah, you don't wonder how it's going to go at all. You're just, yeah. you're just excited to play because you know it's going to go well. Yeah. Because you trust everybody, you know? Yeah. You don't have to keep your eye on anyone. <laughs> you know, like some yeah. bands, you like, you watch, you'll watch a band and like the guitar player is just standing next to the drums the whole time <laughs> to make sure the drummer's doing what he needs uh -huh. to be doing, you know? I would or, imagine or like people just don't, don't or, get along. You can tell by yeah. the body language that they don't like each other anymore. Mm -hmm. you know? Or you're like, Just is like, the keyboard player going to be too loaded to play his songs tonight? You know, like, <laughs> oh right, yeah. I I think you know I I think one of the reasons stand up has always felt comfortable to me is because it's I don't have to rely on anyone, mm -hmm. man it's, alone. Yeah, and so it's sort of I almost get anxious to the idea of in order to do the thing that you do, you have to find a group of people whose goals are at least somewhat aligned. And we'll all show up, and we'll all, you know, put in the same amount of work that you put in. No, that's the hardest thing about a band, is. is there's people in them. You know, they're, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're like and finding those people is, is is hard as writing the music sometimes, you know? Because mm -hmm. there's a lot yeah. of things you that you have them. to yeah, satisfy. Sure. You Like, everyone has to be of a certain skill level, yeah. and then a certain performance level, and have the, the a, some type of a similar voice that I would imagine that vibes everything. Yeah. Like, it just... It seems like the circles get smaller and smaller, and sure. there yeah. probably aren't that many people that would that work. Yeah. You want to start a band? Yeah, I do. Yeah, man. <laughs> Room for oh. one more. Dick jokes, you guys. Have you, guys, have you, guys you been? Have you been in bands before? I was in a comedy. I was in a musical comedy duo. Right. 
Uh, called Ween? Were you in Ween? I was not. I'm not Gene Ween. Were you called Dick Jokes? I was. We were, well, uh, my last name is Hardwick and his was Furman and we played as Hard and Firm. And so, <laughs> but we wrote songs. You know, like we made, awesome. we made songs about. Uh, we made songs about like like. Our influences were like they might be giants and Tom Lair, and so we made songs about dinosaurs and the numerical value of pi and. We did a bluegrass medley of Radiohead songs called Rodeohead. <laughs> so you guys got laid a lot. Um, no. <laughs> no. But even just having one other guy was still, and you know, Mike's my best friend in the world, and it, you know, there was still some times where he could play and I couldn't play, or I could play and he couldn't play. And then we got to a certain point where even just with two people, it was like, wow, the voice of this isn't really what we thought, you know, like what we started out as. And it just sort of, you know, so we kind of, we sort of stopped for a, for a while. Um, which, you know, you I'm sure you guys think, oh, as long as you're playing and it's fun, but then you do kind of get in your own head about stuff sometimes. Yes. So how do you, you know, when you start to sense that's happening or you start to sense like, ah, the band might be not in great shape, how long do you fight to keep it going or when do you know to let go? That's a good question. It's probably like a breakup. It's like a relationship. It's exactly like that. Yeah. Well, I mean... Yeah, Wolf Parade, I, that band, like, we, it was not fun for, like, about two years, and then we just all kind of got together and decided either we stay friends, or we keep this band going and keep making money off of it, and then we kill each other. Right. <laughs> so we opted for column A, you know, the friend <laughs> column, and that was, you know, that, but it was really difficult, it was, it was like breaking up with somebody because my entire life had just been that you know well especially if you're touring you're all that time so and we had come up together too like you know starting out like sleeping on people's floors and you know playing our first show in New York and not booking a hotel room because we didn't have the money and all sleeping in the van and you know waking up to getting our van basically towed in front of a show that we played the night before that was sold out you know stuff like that you know all these bonding experiences and 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 then you know you just kind of gotta no one to no one to put it down i think that i do i do marvel at, i do marvel at like the stones or u2 or even radiohead or like with u2 it's like well that's their first band really it's pretty much their first you know like well, they yeah that's to, true right they went to boy they went to catholic <laughs> school together and now they're in their 50s and they still are a band like how do you how do you evolve that together over that many decades should you is it better to move on they're underdeveloped they have to be because of it (laughs) it's like marrying your high school sweetheart yeah Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true (laughs) they all married their high school sweethearts which was you two and God Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, do you do you think you ever see at some point you're like you know maybe it wasn't so bad and maybe I don't know, man. Not really. I, I just, I'd, I'd like to go out gracefully, you know, with that band. Like, well, you guys are gonna do like Coachella twenty eighteen? No, no. <laughs> Where we play the first record in its entirety yeah. and get the old band back together again. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I think it's. Uh, I like, you know, Fugazi. They put out a bunch of great records, and then I don't think they're getting back together again. Right. They are releasing all of their live shows, which is cool. Sort of like getting back together. Yeah, sort of, but they're not... I, I, don't, I don't see them, like, headlining Coachella anytime soon. What do you do with ideas that don't necessarily fit the band that you're in? 
Like you, you must have ideas where you're like, oh, this would be really cool, but I don't really have anywhere to put this. With this band, and maybe it'll work with the other band, you mean? Yeah, or, or, or if, even if it's not a Spoon idea or not a Divine Fits idea, where you're like, oh, I just want to do some weird electronic thing. What do I do with that? Like, yeah. You, eh, there's always some place for it, a B-side, or, you know, you kick it down the road a few years, and then it becomes something that you can do with the band, you know? Restructure it. Yeah. Or it goes to I think the, B-sides are good, though, for that kind of thing. Yeah. Don't you, you have a song graveyard, though, you must, right? Like... Songs that I'll never work with that I've never put out. Yeah, like a graveyard of songs that are like maybe they just didn't quite get there. Yeah, and then oh yeah, yeah. sure, yeah, lots too. of them. What if you're wrong about them though? What if they're fucking? Oh, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I know when something works. Do you, ever, you ever write a song and then you wrote the song and it's bad and then it's stuck in your head and it's your fault? Like oh you're my the God, only, like you're the only person responsible for it. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Like, why did I write yeah. that song that now I hear in the shower? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what is what is one example of it? Oh, I'm not going to sing it. Well, Come on! No, I mean, but it happens. You know, you'll write this, spend the afternoon writing some song, and then at the end of the day, you're like, that song is a total piece of shit. But too bad. Because you've been playing it all day. <laughs> yeah. But maybe that means it's really catchy. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean good. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes like you, I can start hating even the good songs. You yeah. know, like we work on that one of those songs last week all day long. Yeah, you and by the end it. of the day, I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah, well, yeah, like when you make an album, yeah, you, don't, you don't make an album. When you make an album for yourself, of course, but you don't make it so you can listen to it. You pretty much decide those twelve songs you don't want to hear them anymore. Yeah, like <laughs> these are twelve songs that I never want to hear. I mean, I'll play them and they're fun to play with my friends, but no, you have to you go know, play it for like maybe for ten years from now. I'll listen to our record and be like, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, I don't really notice that the snare drum rings too loud on that song, or that you know, you know, the intro isn't long enough, or whatever. You know, things that you fidget over forever when yeah. you make the record. Can you do? You, do you get that obsessive over it, or are you able to let it go? I don't know. I, I mean, eventually you let it go. But I can't listen to. I still don't listen to our record. Really? Yeah, it's violent. Maybe it's just me. I don't know why that's crazy. I don't listen to my own comedy album. Yeah. yeah why would you? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was so funny. Fuck. Just yeah. you sitting alone in this hotel room with your Beats by Dre headphones on, eating yep. a bowl of popcorn, yeah, listening yeah. to your comedy record. Yeah, it's just not gonna happen. Add to my own jokes. Yeah. Come on, Hang on. What? Wait, you do that? No. Why would I? Um, I'll spend a little time with you, you know. <laughs> who produced the album? Did you guys produce it together, or did someone else? This guy Nick Lane, who uh, he co-produced it. Yeah, co-produced it with us, and he he's probably best known for working with Nick Cave quite a bit in the last ten years. Has done all of, all of the Bad Seeds records for since what the mid mid two thousands, mid two thousands, and yeah. Grinderman records. So then you guys come together, and you kind of have this voice that you're trying to figure out, and then you bring in another person. To, to be able to step back and look at that and go, no, I think it's this. Like, how, how do you... And then you all sit down and eat meatloaf, like, for every meal for a week straight. And then you try to decide how to make the meatloaf better. <laughs> oh, I don't really know. Is this meatloaf good? Or should we put more ketchup on the top of it? I don't even you know the concept that meatloaf doesn't mean anything to me anymore. perspective of yeah. the whole thing. So, yeah. I mean, you do need somebody else there to, like, you know... You help you with it, you know, oh yeah, you played fine on that, or like, you know, this sounds great, you know, let it go. Because you guys all, you produced, did you produce the White Rabbits album? Yeah. That was a fucking great oh, album. thanks, man. Um, See, that's the great thing about being in this band and making records, is Britt is, uh, he's really good he's at amazing it. at, like, putting sounds, like, 
you are wow. putting sounds together and producing stuff. Yeah. So it's interesting yeah. working with producers because I know that you know I know that you've got a vision of the song that's going to sound good, and then the producer might add some extra ideas. Yeah. But I know at the end of the day, like in that arena, you're just going to like. He's our editor in chief you know? for sure. Yeah. yeah. So even if we have a producer, like we haven't been tricked into doing something that we didn't want to do because we always have Britt to yeah. <laughs> step in and be like, uh-uh. I don't have that. Like when I go in to record, I'm just kind of like, blah, blah, whatever, like barf, there's the song. Yeah. And then I'll, you know, yeah. When you talked about, because you know, obviously all the, you said the bands make money by touring, wasn't it sort of, it was kind of always that way, wasn't it? Because in the record labels, gotten almost everything from record sales, right? The artist didn't really get that much from record sales. Per Maybe you're right. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't making records in the 80s and and 70s and 60s, but but uh it does seem like uh I don't know, were 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 there tons and tons of festivals to play every summer? There certainly weren't in the states, you know. Oh. Festivals to play. Um and now there's just seems to be like so many opportunities for uh for doing show after show after show, I don't know. There's a lot more corporate money in in uh, rock shows now than there used to be with festivals and stuff like that. Sure. I think that yeah. you know, bands can get paid pretty well for you know they're doing one show here and one show there. Um, and I think that like you know in the '80s, if you sold a million records, then you actually made some money off of that. But nobody sells a million records anymore. Well, you know? touring used to just be promotion for record sales. I mean, I think in the especially in the '70s, like you know, bands would embark on these huge ultra expensive tours that were the label was putting oh, the bill really for so now the albums are basically then, promotion for the live for the touring yeah well I remember reading about like ELO going on tour and <laughs> like racking up like a you know almost a million dollars in debt on a, a tour that was uh, uh, like an arena tour of the US that was sold out yeah because their uh, because their production costs were so high but their production costs were so high because they and the label were like, well, we got to sell the new ELO record. We got to put on a spectacle, mm. you know. So, and now it's totally different. Now it's like you don't really expect to make money off of record sales, but the record is promotion for people paying cash to come and see your show. Wow. Well, I guess also if you're electric light orchestra, you, yeah. there's an expectation. That yeah, you yeah. I mean, they could have set themselves you up for you that. You can't right? be Jeff Lane unplugged. <laughs> yeah. What's he doing? Yeah. yeah. I think bands probably spend more money now on live production stuff than they used to like I remember my parents telling me they saw Bob Seger and they expected like this huge show and he came out in like a white t-shirt and like the band and they just played to like you know 20,000 people all of the songs about how his life sucked after he was 17 years old (laughs) (laughs) he loved being a teenager Bob Seger he certainly (laughs) did so bummed (laughs) everything sucked after 17 (laughs) (laughs) how I lost my virginity (laughs) Um, are you guys making videos, or is it... We have made some videos. Do you still like that process? I like it when it works. <laughs> I like it when you have, like, a a vision of what you want to present as a video. And, and someone and it, that agrees and with somebody you. somebody that agrees with you, and then it all lines up and it works. I don't... When it doesn't work, it can be a little frustrating. It feels a bit like... It's I, like a, yeah, know. it's like a two-minute bad picture of yourself. Like, yeah, it's like this like <laughs> yeah. lives forever on the awful internet. photograph that lasts for two and a half minutes. Well, the good news is with that is that you know unlike, in you know when MTV would play a video when they when they actually played videos, then everyone would see it, and if it wasn't good, then they people would go oh that fucking sucks. 
the worst thing that happens if you put up a bad video on YouTube is that no one passes it around, right? And then no yeah. one really sees it. I guess yeah. you're right. It's about not that. really that you know. It's not. It's not really that that big of a deal anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, are there other outlets, or, or, or do, you, do you are you guys actively involved in the figuring out how to market the band, or do you do you, do you let other people sort of handle that? I think we're pretty involved. Yeah, yeah. We like to be. Everything has to go through us. Yeah, I mean, we have, we have help, to approve yeah. everything. We, we have help from other people, but yeah, we pay attention yeah. to it and try to stay on top of it. Yeah. Well, we're this was about an hour. Cool. And that's usually about how long the podcasts are. But I don't want to cool. How do you feel about it? About the podcast? Yeah. I'm super excited because I think we're actually going to get, I was told that we might be able to get, you know, one or two tr- live tracks from you guys to tag on to oh, the podcast. Cool. Oh, So cool. you're not going to lose your Jansport sponsorship? Well, it's just, you guys, <laughs> can't you just change the way that you perform <laughs> to suit our backpack needs? <laughs> Look, it's not coming from me. It's coming from the heavies at Jansport. It's, <laughs> my hands are tied. The Jansport Mafia has yeah. a stranglehold. The backpack lobby right is now. huge. Hey, man, don't front pocket me. That's a technical term <laughs> from our industry. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a, but I am I am always fascinated to, I just think there are so many moving parts with what you guys do because you you know you do have to make videos you do have to figure out how to market you have to tour you have to sell you know and t-shirts uh, t-shirts and record covers all of it yeah I mean they're, yeah. they're you know the music business is to me feels like ten small businesses mashed together yeah which is live performance recording performance merch you know songs. Right, right, that the writing, writing songs, songs that might whole be part thing. of that too. Not everybody does all those things themselves, though, and that, I think yeah. that's another reason this band works is because you know, Brett's been, you know, what you've been designing Spoon album covers for seven records, mm-hmm. right? And I, you know, I've been making T-shirts since my first punk band, and like, you know, I had a bar mitzvah. A few years ago. A few years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, everybody comes from that, I, I think, like a DIY mentality of like, you you just involved with every part of the process. Yeah, I'm, tired, I'm tired of the DIY. I want to get more YDI. <laughs> YDI. You do it. <laughs> you do it. That's our, that's our new thing. Yeah, YDI. I've had enough DIY. Dan's going straight YDI. Do you, ever, do you ever wish that you were, do you ever dream about being a band in the 70s that was just like, the studio, you know, like the label system just totally took care of everything and just told you where to show up and that was it and you didn't have to worry about any of that? Aspects of that would be fun. Being, yeah, yeah. Sh- being told where to show up would be great. But yeah, you know, I would, I don't think I'd ever not want to be involved with making the record cover and, and I can't understand why, well, Prince is a great example of this. You know, Prince really needs to spend a, an extra five minutes on his record covers these days, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because his record covers in the 80s were amazing. Right. You know, and now they're just crap. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta be involved in that shit, you know. I don't think it's a, well. The thing, especially with Prince, is that I don't think because my understanding of the way Prince works is that you're not allowed to talk to him unless he talks to you first. Right. So no one can ever present an idea to him. Yeah. Unless he looks at someone and goes, "What ideas do you have for me today?" <laughs> right. If right. he doesn't do that, then shit just doesn't get done. That's true. Well, that's a problem. That's a yeah. major problem. Can't be like that. Yeah, guys, uh, don't go all Prince. <laughs> that music business is just so over, though. God damn it! I mean, I remember the the Purple Rain soundtrack and all the videos that it spawned. Yeah. And it yeah. was like that was a fucking lifestyle when that album came out, and it yeah. just sort of feels like, eh, you know, it's not really a, like the industry. 
people aren't singularly focused anymore. Their attentions are so splintered yeah. with mobile and internet and television, and it's not. You know, now yeah, it's that's so. It's got to be the artist's responsibility to, to maintain that focus. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't, then you're you're dead. I mean, as 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 the as the twenty yeah. two year old guy, do you do you just probably grew up with that sense, right? That that's just kind of how everything had to be because you didn't know any other way. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I barely remember no internet. <laughs> so let's just hurt everyone for a second. Uh, what year were you born? Nineteen ninety. Jesus Christ. I remember. I remember not having internet, and then having internet with like the you know the dial-up modem. Yeah. And then that was the that was the end of it. I spent all my time. Yeah, well, there was a time when you connect to America <laughs> Online in twenty four hundred I remember my first experience with the internet was basically our school got like a bunch of government funding because they were like, holy shit, this school in this small town is just producing like a ton of dropout at (laughs) grade 10. Like people in my school would just be like, I'm dropping out and going to cut down trees and making more money than like anybody. Right. So, so the government was like, we're going to build a tech center in this school and you kids are going to get smartified by the internet. And I went like being a total nerd. I got picked for this, this like early internet class. So I went on to this like figuring out the internet. I found this bulletin board that was a Sebado fan site where they had like tab and there was like a message board. And I went on and I posted like, I don't know, just something about a song and then checked it the next day, and it, the the community was just basically. I just got flamed. Like people were like, "Fuck you, newbie! Like <laughs> you suck. You should die." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like well, the internet, internet. terrifying. At that point, and this is just like no graphics, just text, and, I, and then I kind of stayed away from the internet. At that point, you just you, you just <laughs> shut down the tech center. You're like, we're good here. So I think it just kind of started like that and just continued. So, <laughs> What did you post? What kind of comment did you make? I posted that I didn't like a song on that record bake sale that they put out on... Uh, you stupid piece of shit! Yeah. What an asshole! Because I, I thought the one that came out before it was better because the production was a little better right. on it. But it wasn't like anything crazy. I was just like, oh, the, the Jason Lowenstein songs on this record aren't as good as the ones on the last record. And it was just like, fuck you, man. Like, <laughs> and all those comments were from Lou Barlow. Probably. <laughs> and he got so upset that he yeah. started Folk Implosion. Yeah. Like, I'm not even going to do that exactly. band anymore. That was, my, that was my introduction to the internet. And really, it hasn't changed a whole lot since then. Nope. So it's pretty much the, <laughs> yeah. pretty much the same. Well, hopefully, um, uh, people should pick up that album came out in November. Was it November of 2012? August. 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 Yeah. Yep. Um, but it, it's it's really great, and I and I all the songs. I mean, again, I really encourage people to see you live because the songs on the album are, are great. But just watching you guys on stage, there's I know this is a, a tremendous understatement, but there's no replacement for seeing live music, and just kind of experiencing, you know, just that the that moment. I don't know. It was really it was really fun. I don't, it reminded me that I don't get to see a lot of shows anymore. And I just feel bad that I don't get to see more shows. Where did you see the show? Uh, last night I was at the show. Okay, right, yeah, I was right. at the show last oh, night. Okay. Um, and uh, and so it just like being in that environment and it was like that that place was packed and people were fucking losing their minds. And I really got the sense I know because you you said 
you know, sorry, we had to play a short set. I really felt like you wanted to be out there for, you know, and play oh, like 10 more songs. We could have played twice as long. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have, but we could have and wanted to. Well, there was no backpack company that was going to kick you off stage. That's right. Just a bunch of clowns. Just a bunch, Just a bunch, bunch of, of Russian tumblers <laughs> who could have ripped your head off. Totally. Yep. Um, but cool, but thanks for being here. Are you playing Thank LA you. anytime soon? Are we? Uh, no, we're just nah. playing Coachella. We're just playing Coachella, yeah. Only. So no LA show allowed. Well, uh, have fun playing in the desert. All right, we'll see you out there. I I, I'm gonna, I might I might try to sneak out there for if if I'm not performing in a comedy club somewhere. Um, but uh, have you played Coachella before? Mm-hmm. You have. Yeah. How do it's you? It's a clusterfuck. Well, not only is it a clusterfuck, but then you have people singing, but there's sand blowing around yeah. everywhere. It's not a con- it's not an environment that's conducive to. <laughs> Music shouldn't happen there. It'd be like, it'd be like playing in, t- in Tatooine or something. <laughs> yeah, that's why was someone That's why South by Southwest rules. You know? Yeah, everything's in, inside. Yeah, almost. Yeah, what's almost the story? Everything. Was it just like, hey, it'd be crazy if we had a show in the desert, and then it turned into basically this yeah, huge yeah. festival? Like it wasn't supposed to be as big as it is. Right? I guess the biggest yeah. festivals are always like outside of. Yeah, it almost didn't make it because they were doing like two day. I think they were doing two days and then they cut it down to one day one year because like attendance was just dropping mm-hmm. and then I, I and then it just, it just exploded. exploded yeah huh. I've always I like playing Coachella I like the the time that I played I got to see Depeche Mode and you know like Daft Punk played that year and it was yeah. I get to see Depeche Mode this time yeah yeah I would love to see it's a spectacle when you go see other bands how has being in a band changed how you watch other bands I don't know. I've been in bands for so long. It's hard to. It's hard to. I mean, say. Do you, are you forgiving if they don't play the song you want to hear? You're like, well, you know, they played every like, fuck, they didn't play Strange Love. You're like, oh, you're so, no, no, I'm not forgiving at all. <laughs> no, I don't know your audience. Sometimes it makes me jealous watching when, I, but that's that's when you know you've seen something great. You know. Yeah, when I watched LCD Sound System at Pitchfork uh, Fest in 2010. We played right before them, and then I watched them, and I was like, that is a band. That's yeah. a band. Like, I, I was just... <laughs> yeah, it's hard to go on stage after something like that. Yeah. They were opening for you? No, no, no we played before that. Oh, okay. It was Raekwon, Wolf Parade, LCD Sound System. And they were incredible. They, they were, were totally they incredible. They were incredible. And then sometimes I'll watch a band, like, if I'm going to go on after, and I'll, I'll just... I get, like, super jockey about it, <laughs> where I'm like... Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah, you're doing that? All right, we're going <laughs> to fucking destroy you. Like, we will, three, three, we will erase the memory of your sounds in the air. That's like, where you do the Jerry Lewis, you light the piano on fire and go off stage and go, follow that killer! Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. <laughs> cool, it was really good to meet you guys. Yeah, you yeah, too. Thanks, thanks, so thanks for playing the show last night, and uh, and hopefully I'll get to see you guys again play a full set. Yeah. Man. Yeah. All right, enjoy your burrito, everyone. Word. Words. Enjoy your burrito. That's how we sign off the podcast. <laughs> if that's one of our things. <laughs> that's one of our... Won't you please? Now I want a burrito. Yeah, I'm fucking hungry. I was stuck on a we were equally nervous. I could not get through. So, where's the chain that will keep us together? Yeah. <laughs>
Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground, and I heard somebody say, Call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.